Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah, Sarah Eastley. Looking forward to our conversation, Sarah. Too. Thanks for having me on the show, Simon. Yeah. So this is um, before we started uh, recording, uh, Sarah and I were talking about how we might kick it off. And I came up with this idea um, of... Uh, based on something that I'd seen in, in, in on Sarah's book, uh, uh, sorry, on Sarah's website about a book. So she's written this uh, spiritual, spiritual memoir, and and I kind of geek out on the spiritual stuff. So I thought, well, what better place to start? So this is this this is the this is the frame for the conversation, um, listeners. And so it, it's it's some the the blurb, the summary on uh, on our website, written in the third person. So when she, i.e. Sarah, became a mum, her search to find and become the perfect mother intensified until her mother's death launched a spiritual epiphany. Da, da, da. So <laughs> and what was the spiritual epiphany? <laughs> okay, right to the end. Like a <laughs> spoiler conversation. Yeah. I, yeah. Um. You know, it's it's hard to like just quickly tell you the spiritual epiphany because I truly did need the whole memoir to you did yeah share it. Okay. I had to have that whole backdrop, but um, I mean, essentially becoming a mom, like it does for a lot of parents, or just becoming a parent, just faced me into so much of adoption that I had to look at and deal with that I just hadn't wanted to. Um, and so there were multiple spiritual epiphanies within the, the larger spiritual epiphany. Uh, okay. Um, and I would say one of them, when from based on what you were just reading, um, in terms of just, I, I did, I went into overdrive trying to be the perfect mother. And what I didn't realize is, and I was, I was learning attachment. I was deep diving into attachment um, through becoming a facilitator through the Newfeld Institute, which is all about attachment and developmental science. And um, just fully just trying to be a perfect mom. And it was, it was, there were two, two paths going on. There was all of a sudden kind of criticizing my parents, my adoptive parents, particularly my mother and being unhappy with different ways that I was parented and treated that kind of, I was having these, as I was learning about attachment needs, seeing all the different ways that I didn't get my attachment needs met as an adoptee and as a child, as a young child, really sensitive. And so I was, I was very upset and heartbroken over what I felt I didn't get growing up. And simultaneously, I was steadfast. My children are never going to never going to have the separation. And then I was also kind of getting knocked in the face with, oh my gosh, my, like, I have these really deep feelings for my children. And it made me, and made me realize like one of my big epiphanies was that babies are precious. And if babies are precious, that means I was precious and I am precious, you know, and it's that kind of confronting a belief that I had had for a really long time that I'm flawed, broken not good enough, you know, all the things that we, these messages that we tell ourselves because of the separation of, to, to explain adoption, to explain why we were relinquished. And so it was conf confronting of all those things was one of my many kind of broader meta um, spiritual epiphanies that there's so many more. <laughs> yeah. 
particularly you're reading the the blurb the part about motherhood and I'll say that that yeah. was definitely a big one and the other one was coming to accept my adoptive mother and you know in the process of her death uh there was a lot of healing that took place just in my heart for her and um a lot a very big secret divulged that brought us closer and realizing that our love still held even though I thought I never tested that love really I didn't think it would hold it was a you know in my mind too shaky and that would be the end of our relationship and it wasn't my mom could handle that and um and so then it was just this whole different kind of basking in love that I had been really judgmental about and critical and then coming to forgive and see her humanity as she was dying and feel closer to her than I ever had felt before. Yeah. Um, and the tragedy is that then she, she passed shortly after, but, um, but yeah, that was another of the, yeah. of the big, the big pow pow. So I, I know that you also um, run these writing groups, right? Um, do you ever get do you, do you ever get people getting epiphany envy in the writing groups? Do you know what epiphany envy is? You come uh, I haven't heard that term before. I've not heard that. <laughs> <laughs> why are they getting it? Like, why am I getting it? Why aren't I getting it? Like they're getting it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very aware. Yeah, I do think you know there's such a tendency to compare. Um, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I think just as humans and as writers, we do tend to do a lot of comparing and I do think that's hard. I, I, um, you know, and we all have different, we all have our different journeys and we all have our different ways of getting there and we all have different epiphanies, yeah. <laughs> not all the same. So, um, I do. I do in our writing groups, I have a little slide and it's kind of goofy. I have these animals and just kind of showing all the different things that are in our heads at any one time. And one of them is just, you know, it's just a kind of a cute way to remind everybody, just don't compare, <laughs> just don't compare anything, you know, don't compare. That's so good. Now I can't read. Don't compare, you know, just anything. But yeah, I think that we, we have a tendency to do that. Don't we? So yeah. it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. It can be, it can be challenging to, to watch others have big epiphanies and wonder when, when's mine coming? <laughs> yeah. I'm overdue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm overdue. Yeah. Um, so it, it sounded to me like um, a, 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 a summaration, a, a, met, a matter epiphany or whatever um, of what you were saying to me was like, you, you had, um, you, 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 you came to, Touch, you touch some space near unconditional love, right? For for yourself and for your 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 mother. Um, that's kind of what it sounded like to me. Yeah, that's a really good way to phrase it. Absolutely, and I was able to come to a place of rest, emotional rest, in a way that I hadn't. I and because of that unconditional love and being able to see it and being able to take it in, I had put it to the test in the way that in our mother-daughter relationship felt like the biggest test. And then I could, I could see the permanency of it that I hadn't been able to really take in sadly um, for over 40 years of my life. And that's, that's just what I, that's just 
what I got from adoption, yeah. <laughs> right? Just hard, hard to accept. And, and, and from the parenting, my mother was not a perfect parent. She was a wonderful parent, but she was not a perfect parent. And um, just like, I'm not a perfect parent to my children now, I try. <laughs> and that was the other, that was another of the spiritual epiphanies is I, no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to be the perfect parent that's unattainable. Um, and, you know, not that I don't keep trying, but it's also just recognizing that futility that there's no such thing. Yeah. So in a way you were, um, linking the two things you were comparing the uh, textbook motherhood that you were reading about and you were learning about with your with your course with the institute and um, that was like a, a that was text textbook parenting and and real life parenting that you'd been on the receiving end of didn't didn't touch didn't match up right so there's a comparison there yeah yeah, exactly. So, you know, separation is our greatest threat as humans, as mammals. Mam separation is our very greatest threat, even over food and any other need. Um, our just togetherness is so important. And as I was learning these things, learning that and learning about adoption, I was scrutinizing as an example. So um, when I was a little girl, um, I my parents wanted me to sleep all through the night in my own room. And I had a hard time with that. And so instead of making space for me in their bed when I came in scared in the dark. I dark always was very scary to me night times. Um, you know, my mom joked to me, um, and this came up while I was going with my own, you know, I was got my my toddler, my eldest was going through sleep troubles and I was complaining that she kept crawling in bed with us. And my mom kind of chuckled and said, Oh, that's why we closed the door. And every morning we'd find you sleeping on the floor right outside of our bedroom. And I remembered it. It was like, you're right. I, that did happen. And, and wow, that was not, that's not how you treat a child and let alone a child with separation issues. So those were the kinds of thoughts going through every time I kept learning. And I'm like, and she's laughing about it. Like, it was just a funny joke that your little girl was lying on the floor outside of the door. So my heart was breaking for my younger self. Yeah. And then re recognizing all the ways, you know, that explained who I became and who I grew into and this fierce independence and these deep fears of the dark. And just so, um, you know, it was, and simultaneously, then when I did my search for my birth mom, there was a lot of, you know, it was very hard on my mom that was, that she didn't handle it right. She, and she, and got very jealous, uh, you know, didn't, just had big reactions, made it all about her, just some of the kind of textbook things. Um, so it was very, all that was kind of happening simultaneously, both those things. And it was hard not to be very critical and judgmental and need space. And not that I did anything wrong in those things, but coming through the other side of it, I was able to have forgiveness and see her humanity and, um, accept the things that you know accept those mis missteps as a parent and then also i was able to take in and really see the things she did really well yeah. uh, because there were a lot of those too yeah so what, what's coming to me from what's coming to me is this uh maybe because i've been through this before 
I don't know whether I've done it with a parent or not, but um, like, so you're raising these concerns, uh, and 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 your you, your mum's laughing, and it's like it's the ultimate invalidation, isn't it? It's it's worse than ignoring us. That like we're we're getting angry and they're laughing, like we're frustrated. They're laughing. It's just like you're not you, you are you not are you not getting me? It's like yeah yeah very hurtful um you know there were hurtful things said too just kind of rolling her eyes about how sensitive I always was and you were such a sensitive child and um making me wrong instead of seeing the beauty of sensitivity you know yeah <laughs> like um and and in fairness um that was in a it was a you know there were some you know I I certainly was not a cakewalk to parent I'm sure <laughs> You know, I mean, I remember my mom vividly in my teenage years telling me, I hope someday you have a child, a daughter, just like you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I would say, I hope so too, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and then, um, you know, upon becoming a parent, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, you know, I, I, that is going to be hard if I have someone like me, you know, I, I gave my parents, I gave her a go, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, um, adoption adoption does that you know there's so many dynamics that you know I think adoption tends to um like I was just saying that kind of that my need to be fiercely independent and not to depend on others well you it's really hard to parent someone who can't depend on you fully who can't fully trust you like that's a hard that's a hard parenting journey so um not my fault not her fault but hard <laughs> hard situation yeah, sensitivity is such a loaded term, isn't it? It's yeah. such, uh, and yeah, I've 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 had I've had that one as well, and it's and it feel it it it's it's a I don't know it feels like a bit of a jab to me, like a bit of a, a you know a, a, a like a well not kicking the teeth but a, a, a jab like a like it's too sensitive it's like there's uh, i don't know you can't you got you got to there's there's got to be a comeback from that haven't there there's you can't just like that's going to rile us up well sorry i'm speaking about myself here right you know it it, it rouses rouse me up yeah yeah i agree it's and it shouldn't be there shouldn't be a stigma the way you know when it's spoken like that it's like like something's inherently wrong with you and you know our our birth i mean sensitivity levels they're you know are studied and our birth you know birth experiences do set our sensitivity levels um so do genetics um so i learned through reunion that my birth mom um is a redhead um has auburn hair and so and it is scientifically proven people with red hair are more sensitive um they're more sensitively wired and since birth experiences set our, our sensitivity sensitivity levels as well, well, I mean, we, any of us adopted, um, you know, right at birth or right around there um, or, or born in really dire circumstances, well, right there, we're going to be born sensitive, you know, that's going to give us a, um, a leaning towards sensitivity. And that's, um, that's just something about ourselves that isn't, there's, that shouldn't be a stigma. That's just who we are. And the world needs more sensitive people, frankly, not through trauma, not through pain, but, um, you know, I've come to just 
I take that as a compliment now. And yeah. I, you know, I didn't at the time, but it's like, <laughs> That's the thing. it feels, I want a heart that feels, you know, it hurts <laughs> living in this world is painful, but I, that's, but I want to feel, I don't want to not feel, but those of us who are sensitive have a, have more of a tendency to, because it does hurt so bad to seal up and to not feel and find ways to not feel. So it's, it's, it's the sensitivity and staying with it. Right. Like <laughs> that's a challenge. But it's, um, it's a bit like, to me, it, it's a, it's a great basis for uh, empathy. And empathy is a great basis for for communication, and communication is a great basis for relationships. So, uh, you know, I see them flowing all the way through now. But yeah, it, it, we take it as a we take it as a a, a, a barb, um, a, a flip, a, something similar line coming to, that's coming to me is um, a, a, a guy I know once said to me, "The problem with you, Simon." Um, is you too deep, right? Well, I, I was stunned. Uh, anyway, the the following uh, the following morning, I came up with what would have been the perfect riposte, which is, uh, well, would you prefer to be more sh- me to be more shallow? You know, like what would you rather be? Would you rather be insensitive? Would you rather be? Would I rather be insensitive? Would we rather be insensitive? Would be rather you know more shallow? Well, no, thank you. No, I, 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 I'm quite happy with my level. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when you, when we, when I see all that stuff on Instagram, all the, all the kids pouting and and the, you know, all that kind of frippery stuff, I, I struggle. I struggle with that. And, and, and little lads, you know, like little lads having the hair gelled up like their dads when they're four. You know, I just think it's, it, it let them be kids. You know, uh, what rights have I got to judge, right? But, you know, I just, um, I, I would rather be, I would, if, if, given the choice, would I rather be too deep or too shallow? Yeah, I'd rather be too deep. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And too sensitive, you know, <laughs> or sensitive, just sensitive over insensitive. You know, it's, feeling versus not feeling i spent lots of years not feeling it's not it's not what i want to be you know <laughs> it's okay to feel yeah so one of the words that you used was um uh, preciousness you saw that you were precious can you tell us a little bit more about that yes and i'm still on that journey it's still hard to see myself as precious you know i still have um i think my one of my core beliefs is i'm broken and i'm wrong and so i'm always fighting that i have to always consistently catch myself um but you know there's that you know i um you know that that little girl inside me who needs to be seen and valued and you know i could i was seeing it in my own kids as a new parent and then it just got me just thinking so much as i'm holding my babies in my arms and gazing into their eyes and we're doing the smiling back and forth and and all of those things and it's hard not to just also kind of in a way hold my younger self and see the preciousness that i had as well that no nothing was wrong with me i wasn't i wasn't broken from the beginning i was just like these little babies just perfect yeah. <laughs> these little babies. Um, and so, you know, it's an ongoing thing. I think I do have, um, a lot of, of, um, 
ability to kind of consider that my newborn self in a whole different way. Um, we have some, some of these old eight millimeter videos that my grandfather took and I got them converted years ago into digital format. And when I watch that, it's just my heart, you know, their heart, it's sad and it's sweet, but I do see the preciousness and that's, um, you know, it's a, it's a big thing. I think it's an important thing to rewrite that story. And like I said, I'm continuing to rewrite it because it's still hard. My default is always self-blame, self-attack. Something's wrong with me. I'm bad. Um, and so it's continuing learning to love myself and accept myself. Yeah. One seems like you're seeing things. One seems like you're doing things to me. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So you're seeing things one way, but you're trying to do something a different way. There's a mismatch going on. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, in terms of the doing, yeah, I think there's, yeah, I'm just trying to think of, um, I think for me, it is all seeing. I think it's just how I see myself. Um, and just seeing the goodness and being, you know, accepting myself how I am is the practice. That's what I keep, I'm keep, <laughs> keep having to remind myself. And, you know, you know, there's always a reminder, something comes up and then it's like, oh, you know, this happened and it's okay. You're good. You yeah. know, <laughs> you're so precious, you know, yeah. and, and, and you made a mistake. And so I think that's the other thing, you know, I think just related to that with the doing for me, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lifetime of perfectionism, <laughs> but that's where my doing is. My doing is the trying to be good enough, trying to prove that I'm good enough. So I'm going to be, you know, not that this is a conscious thing, but the mindset that, you know, the, the tracks that I went down were, I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to stand out enough. I'm going to make sure I'm all these, you know, all these things. So to prove I matter, to prove that, to counter that story. And so it's, there's a constant needing to, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to strive. I don't have to do that. I, you know, it's the, that's where the doing is. It's like stopping that doing. I'm, yeah. I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I don't have to be perfect. It's okay that there's a typo in whatever I just sent out. <laughs> it's good. It's okay. You know, like, um, it's okay. And, um, and that's where like the doing can get in the way with the, <laughs> yeah. like that place of rest inside. Yeah. The apostrophe police are going to be after you. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you use the word, you use the word belief and it's a, an interesting thing for me at the moment because I've got, a, I've noticed something in the last few weeks or so I mentioned it on a few different podcasts, getting people's different, different people's take on it. Because I I did a lot of spent a lot of time in self development self personal development kind of world right um, and uh, the, you know everybody there is acutely aware of these self limiting beliefs um, and they are the enemy right so we're going to bust them we're going to overcome them we're going to squash them we're going to vacuum vacuum them away we're going to do something with them right? um, but we've got to get they are the enemy we've got to defeat these right? um, and it, it struck me that in the adoption world, we don't, in the, in, the, in the adoptee land, we don't actually use the word. It's trauma all the way. 
in adoptee land, we don't hear many people talking about beliefs. So I'm, uh, so that's that is my take on it. Talk, do you think that we see a lot of talk about beliefs when you, you when you're working on your writing courses? People talk about beliefs. How, how prevalent do you think this belief word is in in in, mm. in your world? Gosh, you're making me want to go study that. I this is a really fascinating thing to think about. Um, you know, I feel like I I talk about beliefs a lot. So now, <laughs> now I'm like, what? well, you're ahead of you're ahead of the curve. That's what. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that, but I do talk about beliefs a lot. I mean, even just I'm thinking about in the adoptive voices writing groups. You know, I think another belief, just as an example, I think maybe it's me bringing up the beliefs, but I, you know, like. I think we have adoptees tend to have a belief that we're replaceable and that we're interchangeable because that's what adoption showed us, right? Like that's like a core thing. And so I always say that at the very beginning of the, of each writing group that everyone, you're not replaceable. We want you here. Like when you're, when you're not here, we notice. And it, it, it means something when you're not here, we want you here in the group. It affects the group dynamics. It affects how we interact with each other it affects all kinds of things so you do matter you matter and you're, you're not interchangeable interchangeable um another another big belief i had to i confront and that i learned so um simon i'm so floored by this question because i i feel like i talk beliefs all the time so i haven't really noticed am i i don't think i'm yeah. the only one but i can't think of <laughs> i I don't think we. It, I'm just checking my gauge, right? I'm just because we all have blind spots, and like and I'm, I'm thinking, am I am, am I the only one talking about this? Please, uh, because the next the next question is, uh, well, the next the next question is for me one of the biggest questions. So before we started uh, recording, we were both talking about um, dogs, right? And I shared that we've just got our our fourth dog, um, so. Our first dog we got in 95, died 2006, you know, and the second one died last year. Anyway, so we've got we've got Rosie, who's six, uh, six and we've got Indy, who is four months. And all the first three dogs cried at night, right, when we brought them back, you know? Yes. And, and that, when they do that, sends shivers down my spine right so i i i for me that's and i've got i've got goosebumps so sometimes i get goosebumps for a good reason and some reason uh, sometimes i've got goosebumps they the hairs on my arms are standing up so for me that is kind of one of the most seminally reflective points right? if you could sum up adoption that is like Oh, that hurts, you know. And so there's that, and then here I am, uh, fifty six years later, right? <laughs> fifty six and five months later after leaving Lima, uh, leaving, uh, you know, being left. And my birth mother had to leave me twice, right? So she she left me at the short term foster care, and then she had to pick me up from there and take me to the adoption agency. So you've got that. That that night away, that that relinquishment. You've got this. You've got the 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 the, the anguish of feeling alone, right? And, and so it's a deeply. It's a it's a deep feeling, and, it, and it's a feeling. Fifty six years later on, uh, I have felt 
I, I, I have felt this belief myself. I believe this belief myself. You've been talking about it. The, the belief that we're not good enough. And, and, and somewhere this feeling of anguish gets converted into a belief that we're not good enough. And that seems to be that like the fundamental one of the, the fundamental challenge that as we have as the doctors, right? But somewhere along the way, right, that feeling has become um a uh, a snowflake of a thought. Then it's become a, a, a snowball, right? And then it's become the base of a snow person. You know, it's, it, 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 it it must it it, it uh, it's something to, you heard this. Uh, I heard this from a, a, a psychologist a few years ago. Uh, it's called confirmation bias. So yes. confirmation bias is the technical word for um, a, what's happened when the snowflake has become a snowball and then has become a like a four foot wide, a four foot snowball in diameter. Right, you can't pick it up, but it's going to be useless. And that, so confirmation bias is what's happening. And other people, so so um, what we focus on gets bigger. Um, what the what the thinker thinks, the prover proves. All this, all this stuff is like confirmation. It, it just goes around, and that to me is the fundamental mystery to uncover for for freedom, really. Yes. for seeing our preciousness yes yes yeah absolutely i think that's that that we're good enough and and not to look for that you know it, it's so easy to find evidence out in the world as we live our lives that we're not good enough right i mean like and we live in a culture um that expects certain things a performance-based culture where that ex that that's what how, when you're good enough and if you're and so you and now everything's on social media you can compare you can compare who's got more followers am i not i'm not good enough and you know just too much evidence out there to to give that confirmation bias so we have to get past that yeah, yeah. it's hard well yeah i don't know it depends what we're looking like so what do you think beliefs are made of I've said they're made of snowflakes just because I don't know. It's a metaphor I came up with the other day. What do you think beliefs are, are made of? Mm. Well, I think they're made of they're made of pain. I mean, I think you started to go there, right? Like it's um, it's it's sadness. I think it's it's. Uh, yeah. I think they're made of pain and just that grief. There's so much grieving that we have to do. Um, there's just so much grieving we have to do. And so I think it's just part of that. If you, I think it's the brain's way of, our brains want to protect us. And so they want to come up with solutions and they want to come up with a reason. And, you know, I think it's, even though that doesn't really protect us, having a constant bombarding that you're not good enough. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's, our brains are off. I think that it, it's easier just to grieve, <laughs> um, it, you know, just to grieve what, what those losses are, but it's, we've got so much to grieve and so many big things to grieve that, you know, like 
you can't do it all in one sitting and you, you know, we, we wouldn't be functional. Our brains want us functional. So <laughs> live in the society. I was talking to um, a, a Elliot Driscoll guy who's a adoptee and therapist has been on the show. I've spoke, had a couple of chats with him since I did the, since he came on the show. And he was talking about how he, he's more um, left brainy, like guys being a bit more left brainy and a bit more, you know, as a massive generalization, right? Um, and uh, so, and he was saying that that makes him, you know, he prefers to work with with Guy because the the, the wiring is more similar, should we say? I, I, did he say that? Something like that, something on those lines. Um, so, uh, and that came, uh, the reason I thought of that was because my answer to what beliefs are made of is thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're saying that it's made of pain. And I'm thinking, yeah, I can see why that's going to be tougher, right? You know, we're, we're in, you know, thought versus pain, like which is going to be easier to shift, right? So I, I talk about, and this is probably why I came up with the snowball analogy. Um, I, I came in the snow, the base of the snowman analogy, because I I talk about it like so. That's what I did. Right? I, I I scooped up a snowball. I scooped up some snow. I put it. I made it into a um, in, into a in between my palms. Made it into an egg, in like an egg shaped thing, and then rolled it along the ground. And and you make the you make the base of this snow person, right? And then I came up with this idea of you know you put the we put the 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 light of awareness on the snow the base of the snow person, right? We bring it out of the darkness where it's where everything is shameful, right? We bring this belief out. We put a industrial heater on 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 the on this on this the four foot diameter snow ball and it it, it melts to water and, and and there's a puddle and then you keep the heater on it, keep on focusing on it um, and then uh, and then it evaporates. And and it's it's become it becomes a, a vapor, and it and it it's gone. And we do that by focusing on it, you know, bringing it up into the light. So what I'm really doing with our conversation is I'm I'm trying to bring your your learnings to the listeners, and say like, so this is what Sarah's learned. Um, does that help you? And then I've just come up with this one. Of, of, and I've just I've just shoehorned one of my learnings in in amongst just a, because I like well I don't think you're wrong Simon I mean beliefs are thoughts right I mean beliefs are thoughts and so that that particular belief I was talking about that we're not good enough that's so common among all of us as adoptees I shouldn't say all of us but so many of us um <laughs> I find um I think that that comes from out of the deep pain, but I think, you know, there's also good beliefs. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. And those don't come from pain. So I think, you know, I think you're, I think there's something beliefs can come from, from any number of experiences and emotions, but I do feel like they are formed out of our emotional brain. Yeah. The, the reason that I'm excited about the beliefs thing, right. Is because somehow, 
belief seem more bustable than trauma feels healable. Do you know what I mean? Mm, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes. Try yeah. trauma. Well, it's in my body. You know, yeah. I've read the Basil van der Kolk book and, you know, it's in my body. It's waiting to hijack me. Uh, somebody, I get, I feel triggered all the time. It, it like, it, it, I go down that, you know, if I go down, down that, um, that line, then I'm, uh, as we would say in the UK, knackered. That would be the, that would be the uh, technical yeah. term, right? Um, so if I go down that, right, okay, it's trauma, da da da. Whereas if I if I look at it well, 56 years on, I'm looking at this, I've been looking at this stuff that I've been fascinated by who we are and fascinated by our preciousness, to use your words. You know, that that's that's why the thriving adoptees logo is a diamond now when it used to be something else. Um so yeah, that Fourteen years of looking at that, I've, 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 we, as like you, have been um, looked at this stuff very intensely, given me, given me perspective, and yeah, beliefs seem more bustable than trauma feels healable. Just like intuitively, even for me, on the journey, right? Because we, I think we see our preciousness, and then it, and and then we forget it. And then we remember, and then we forget it. It's not once and done. Most learnings are once and done. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, here's something I want to say, just listening to what you're saying. I think um, the important thing to remember, like, I mean, I, you can't just set out to bust your trauma or to, I'm going to heal my trauma. I'm going to bust through my beliefs. Like that, you know, it's a, this is how I work. I mean, I'm very task oriented. I want to... I mean, I wanted to put adoption on a checklist and check it off and move on, you know, like that's what I liked. I love checking things off and moving through and, but this is a, the emotional, this is emotions, right? So we can't do that. Like, and there's a, this, we have to feel our way through this yeah. step. You can't just set your mind to, I'm going to overcome this trauma. You have to feel your way through. And sometimes that preciousness work is the pain, like that's sometimes why I go back and look at my pictures and I feel hurt. I, my heart hurts for my little girl, <laughs> that little girl that I see sadness in her eyes. I see, I, there's a video of me. That's really almost like a horror movie to me to watch of me just rocking by myself in a swing in this loud TikToking baby swing. And all I see is this isolated, lonely child not being held. And and so it's a grief. I could probably right now just thinking about that. Like it's sadness. It's sadness that helps us grieve and adapt. And that's one of the gifts that I received from my studies of attachment is, um, and through the Newfield Institute is just, um, we've got to feel our way through to healing. And, and so that's the that's what's hard about like trying to conquer trauma. Like I, and I, we all do it. I do it too. You know, you want, you want to, there's a temptation to just, I want to fix this. I want to get rid of these beliefs, but you, you got to feel your way there. Yeah. And it's scary. It's a lot to feel. We have a lot to feel. <laughs> yeah. I think I've been feeling my way for 14 years and I'll be feeling my way. I'll be feeling my way for the rest of my life. I think that's, that's the thing. It's not once and done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you, you, you're spot on. I, 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 you know, 
rocketing trauma. No, that didn't, that's not how. Uh, separating from it, I think, is perhaps the first uh, first big step for me. So, you know, seeing, like, I, I put a post up, are we our trauma? Um, right. uh, are we our trauma? And I, and then I, I see how the, the, the page fills up, right? And, and somebody put, um, no, but it's a part of us. Well, it, it, it's, we are our trauma then. Then, you know, I, I'm, I'm splitting hairs on the thing, but um, that—that's exactly what I was getting at. I was trying to, I was, I was trying to get at that um, blowing trauma, blowing trauma out of the way, is seems an impossible task, right? But busting beliefs seems somehow easier to me, and it, it just feels intuitively easier for that. I have no logic for that other than the logic I've, I've said, um, it, it just, it just in, intuitively, it, it feels and easier, which is why I'm excited that, and why, why I keep on asking everybody about it. Because if they, if they feel the same way as me, if you feel the same way as me, that beliefs would be easier to bust than trauma is to heal, then we're pointing in the direction of hope, right? We've got the, the the hope. The hope is the hope is. People say to me, "Oh, you seem very positive about it. Uh, um, uh, you seem very positive, Simon. You're very very positive." I'm thinking, "Sorry, is that a criticism, or um, are they calling me a Pollyanna? Are they saying I'm deluded?" You know, and I say, "Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, and and I, I'll tell you why is because I am sure, one hundred percent, that we are not our trauma, and so that's why." I'm, that's why I'm positive. Well, what do you mean by that? And then you get into it, you get into a conversation and off we go. Um, so what, what do you think, um, what do you think, um, or how do you think beliefs change? What What do you think, how, how do you think beliefs, beliefs change? What changes? Yeah. You know, I, I, for me, they change just by kind of seeing, being able to see the counter to my beliefs you know, ah. and to keep feel, seeing the counter. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think yeah. I will just, here's another spoiler of the spiritual memoir. So I had a very profound spiritual experience where um, as my mom was dying, we were communicating through our hearts. Um, she was upstairs, not able to communicate anymore, but yet we were having full conversations through our hearts, um, wow. which other people had told me had happened with them with their mom, mothers after death and it happened she and and it was just part of this kind of goodbye and this parting and loving and going deeper in our relationship um so that was rewriting a belief <laughs> like that was countering the belief that she didn't you know just all the all the beliefs i had in terms of our relationship together so that was an, an experience i will always hold of that that I still have to hold and go back to because I had so many more years of, of yeah. that belief holding on. So it's, but I, that countered that belief, all the, that whole experience countered the beliefs I had about my mom. And then um, again, spoiler, but for my memoir, but um, at some point as my mom was dying, the voice changed and it was a voice that I recognized as God's voice. So, and this is where I'm going to get a little religious. I know not everybody has the same beliefs, but for me, um, I recognize that as God's voice and that countered. I mean, I, I really had a lot of spiritual beliefs that, um, 
you know, why would God allow adoption to have happen? Why would God allow this to happen to me? God judged my parents. Just there's so much. I was raised in a Christian home. Um, my parents came to religion because of me and adoption and my grief that's in the book. And so there was a lot of pressure there and it just formed my opinions that God doesn't care about me. And then God did care about me. <laughs> my, that belief got rewritten. So there was a counter to that belief I had that, that I didn't matter to God, that I, you know, that I, I didn't matter. And so again, a counter experience. Um, so I think it's letting those counter, it's being open to the counters. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've probably passed, passed by and missed so many counters <laughs> to my beliefs who, know, you know, I'm sure there's a huge trail of things I've missed, but being open to seeing them is important. And then letting those rewrite the beliefs. I think that's, that's huge. Um, I think that happens in so many ways when we're in community together, right? Like I think so many of us grow up in isolation, not knowing other adoptees. I, one of my other core beliefs was that I was crazy. I was I'm really crazy. You get in community with other, you know, learning about attachment started me realizing I'm not crazy. This is how my brain's supposed to work. And then you get in community with other adoptees and, oh, you, me too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's like, it rewrites that story. I'm not crazy. We yeah. are all just dealing with what our circumstances did to us. This is just yeah. how we coped. And this is how we learned to survive. And so it's another, it's an, un, you know, it's the counter to that belief again. So just being open to those counters, finding them and taking them in. Yeah. It's funny. We never go, I, I, I feel that exactly, you know, that, um, that validation thing that you're talking about there. Um, but we never, I feel that too, um, and we never go, we're all crazy, do we? We don't say we're all crazy. We just say, no, no, it's okay. You know, like, I don't know why that is. Um, uh, so somebody, I, I, had a, so we, I was talking about change um, on a post on Facebook or something yesterday, I think it was, and people said, uh, somebody, uh, a new fellow doctor responded, well, we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready for the change. And I thought, how do we have to be ready? I don't know. I think I prefer your, I think I prefer your word. You know, if I had to pick between ready and open, I can, I, I think, I, I think I prefer open, but what, 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 do, what do you think? Do you think we need to be open and ready? What, what's your, what's your view on, on readiness? You said for readiness, I, I, I will go, I didn't see your post. Um, so I will go read it. I want to, I'm curious about the context of that comment, but I do think I, something that's occurred to me lately in terms of readiness. Um, so I feel, you know, part of me is a little embarrassed. Like I see 20 year olds emerging from, you know, into adoption, adoption consciousness. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's, I was such a late bloomer, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, it took me so long. I was, it wasn't until I was approaching 40 and something about the number 40, I had just decided that was the time to clean up my adoption baggage, right? That I just was ignoring and brushing aside up until then. Um, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't developmentally ready. And so, and I think, um, you know, everybody's ready at a different time. And what are we ready for? I wasn't ready to look at the impact adoption had on my life until, until I was about to turn 40, that milestone of 40 years, it was like time for me to look at the impact. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess it's what are you ready for? But I do think, um, I mean, I, our brains are, you know, I was kind of joking earlier about our brains don't, you know, are doing things behind our back, but they do have our best interest in. So the, the defenses that we have in place, the, in, the inability to be ready, those, those are there to protect us. Like our brain does, is looking out for us. So it doesn't mean it always serves. <laughs> it doesn't mean it should go on forever, but sometimes we're not ready. And, um, you know, I was in a situation where, um, you know, I think I was ready to emerge from the, you know, in look at adoption more, but it got pulled back in a therapeutic setting um, that is in my memoir, but it was way too fast. And I wasn't ready to go that deep, that big, that fast without a container. I wasn't held and it was really dangerous. So um, readiness is important. I mean, I do think that's a um, yeah. but I don't know the context of what that person, what that comment meant either. It may, I'm, I may be just totally on a tangent here, Simon. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. You're spot on. I, I think the distinct, this distinction I would draw, and we've gone off for my, almost an hour, so we're going to have to wrap this up. I mean, wow, that's just flown. Um, the distinction, like, um, ready to me is there's a difference between conscious readiness and unconscious readiness. You know, you're not, we're not ready. Like oh right you know I'm 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 ready okay you know like I've um I've got my I've got my note you know I've got my notepad out right or I've got my new word document open I'm ready to write my memoir you know that, that that's like, I'm consciously ready that that that's one thing and ready subconsciously ready I think is something completely different and the, there's a lot of force in that first one to me you know like right come on. You know, I've got a writer's block. No, I'm I'm not ready. Oh, God, I, I wish I'd done this uh, adoptive voices with Sarah, and that would have helped me because I would have been doing a community. Or ah, well, maybe t- and it's this time it's shot. Da, da. Okay. Um, I'm off. So, um, yeah, I think there's a different. I, what, how would you? Does that make any? Does that make any sense? Yeah. Total sense. Yeah, I mean, and I think you know, I picture even just like. You know, it's it's kind of funny to think of like, okay, I you know, I'm ready now to tackle adoption, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not. I cleared my diary. Yep, I'm I clear. My, my head's yeah. clear. Or more like thirty years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm. I yeah. I'm. I'm ready to tackle my adoption. I'm. You know. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm ready to. Uh. To uh, vanquish my trauma. I'm ready to get a vacuum cleaner out and hoover up all my self-limiting beliefs. Right. Ready to go at it. Okay. What do I do next? Yeah. 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 And that's what I was getting at earlier. I mean, you can't, you can try. I mean, I did that. That is what I did. I really was like, okay, I'm about to turn 40. I got to deal with adoption now, you know, like, but I, you have to feel, (laughs) you can't just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a conscious thing. You got to feel it, feel your way there. And (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, um, is there a question that I've not asked that you'd like to share something about? Oh my gosh. Um, no, I mean, I, I've enjoyed this conversation. I love your depth. I just, I just back to, you know, someone saying the problem with you, Simon, is you're too deep. I love your depth. I think it, you know, I mean, is there a question? I I could just sit here and go deep all day. So um, you're right. Like we've got, we're getting, we're getting to that hour, but um, yeah, I love the depth and 
I'm sure anything we just talked about, we could go deeper and, and there's all kinds of things we could grab from the sky and go deep on that. But I love this conversation and I hope, yeah, I hope listeners enjoy it too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will. It's, uh, I think it, it's a select band, band, it's a select elite group, you know, that want to go deep. I'm, I'm not judging anybody. I clearly am, right? No, but it, it is, like, it, it, not many. I don't. Um, that's where the diamonds are buried in the deepness. That's where we find our preciousness, you know, like preciousness, precious stones, diamonds hidden by trauma. That's the whole shebang, right? Um, so um, we, we will be going, because we're, you're going to be coming on with your other co-authors uh, later in the year with the with the with the book, right? So yeah, excited for that. So we'll have another conversation. Yes, to yeah. talk about our book that's coming out in December, our my next book, and yeah, looking forward to that conversation very much. And so are my co-authors. Yeah. So tell the audience who the co-authors are. So um, the co-authors are Kelsey Vanderville. Vander Vliet Ranyard, who's a birth parent, and Lori Holden, who's an adoptive parent. And the three of us spent, we've spent, by the time the book comes out, it'll be almost just short of three years that we've been working on this project. So we interviewed 50 people, 50 others from the adoption constellation, some not from the adoption constellation, some who chose not to adopt. Um, and we try to, well, it's called um, the, the tagline, well, the book is Adoption Unfiltered revelations from adoptees, birth parents, adoptive parents, and allies. And so tried to explain adoption in a more a broader way than you typically see, a real comprehensive way. As far as we know, it's the only time that we've um that that three three members of the constellation have come together to write a book um, of this type. Um, it's very um very deep. I tried to share everything I've learned from an attachment perspective. Uh, I worked very closely with Dr. Gordon Newfeld on um, explaining attachment and the what happens, the kind of basic things of um, the, our primal responses to separation and how our brains respond and to try to normalize and make sense and give really good education out there. Um, so we're really excited about it, proud of it. Um, not easy to co-write a book and then not easy to, you know, have, th let alone with one co-author, but then with three and um, three from, you know, what, what can be, you know, we have different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so working through that and learning, you know, the book is called Adoption Unfiltered, but learning where the filters are still needed. And, um, you know, sometimes they are <laughs> filters are there for a reason. So anyway, we're excited to talk, talk to you about that in more depth. Yeah, we, me too. And uh, Laurie's been on the podcast a couple of years ago, and she she's deep. I loved her depth. She's brilliant. I haven't met the other uh, co-author, co but um, yeah. Uh, so if you're listening to this post December twenty three, ladies and gentlemen, there'll be a, a link to the uh, be a link to the podcast with um, with Sarah and the co-authors, uh, and the, the 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 link in the show notes will take you to the to Sarah's podcast uh, website and where you can find out more about a memoir, more about adoptee voices, the writing, um, uh, the writing cohorts. So that's great. Thanks a lot for your time. I've loved it. Yes. Thank you, Simon. Great to have you. 
Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you very soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.